that's the name of the show. Do good, feel good. Now you're in the know. All right, everything is a little different tonight. Um, it's wild. We set this mic up so it would sound like a megaphone because that's what grassroots advocacy is all about. Am I right? Yeah. 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 That's why it sounds so bad. Um, so we, the questions are all out of whack because we've really thrown everything under the bus and I'm not even sitting down, which is good because I don't really want to sit in this shirt, so that's fine. So um, how about we kick this off with why did you join Spark and what does it mean to you? Also, what is Spark? Cool. So SPARK is the Stalking Prevention Awareness and Resource Center, which is a project of Equitas, and is fully funded by the Office of Violence Against Women. And in this case, viewers like you, I guess. Um, So basically, I've been in the, you know, I'm riled up about a bunch of social justice issues. I'm mad about lots of them. I see a lot of nodding heads. Of course, we're all mad about everything, as we should be. But after college, I ended up kind of working more on domestic issues. First, I was working on teen pregnancy prevention. The part of that that was really interesting to me was around reproductive coercion, which led me to sexual assault. And then stalking. Stalking is kind of like the forgotten like middle child of that field. (laughs) Because if you read an OBW grant, an Office of Violence Against Women grant, which I'm sure you guys do, because like you party all the time. Yeah, (laughs) I get it. Um, The way it's worded is always, like the four major crimes, it's domestic violence, sexual assault, dating violence, and stalking. It's always like, and stalking. Um, we almost called our website andstalking.org. Not that like, we have a chip on our shoulder about it or anything, like, it's totally chill. But, um, so I think, you know, I got into that domestic violence field, and then this opportunity where I was like, oh, I don't know that much about stalking, but like, I've seen how it comes up with dating violence and sexual violence. That it turns out no one knows anything about stalking. There's very few experts on it. Um, so I was like, I will become one, kind of. And so that is why I'm standing before you now. And um, mostly we do we do trainings mostly for professionals in the field. So law enforcement, victim advocates, shelter staff, hotline staff, nurses. So those kind of folks, so that they can and campuses as well. Um, so that they can recognize what's going on with their victims and say, oh, hey, that sounds like stalking, and then help safety plan and hold offenders accountable. So we're mostly a training and informational awareness organization. At our website, stalkingawareness.org, we have some stuff for the general public, but a lot of it's targeted at those uh, victim-serving professionals. Wow. Now that is good. If someone were to say, why do you work here, that would be the the absolute best answer. So, good. You hear that, her boss? Um, Okay. I don't know how to transition into this, so we'll save the Miss Doubtfire question for next. Um, what was the question? The Miss Doubtfire question. Oh, or we can uh, jump into it right now. What is the, I want that, well, you have to know. All right. So, I'm sure you get this all the time. question I'm sure you get this all the time. Was the director of Miss Doubtfire A, pro-divorce? B, pro, um, drag queen, grandma. C, (laughs) pro stalking, or D, all of the above. And then I would like you to ask Frankie the question. (laughs) Not about the stuff, but about her personal story. Cool, smooth. Okay, so, um, (laughs) C, 
shameless. Yeah, people are always coming up to me <laughs> they like can't hear us. So. They're always coming up to me like, Data, tell me your hot take on Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, you guys know how it is trying to get through your day, and people are always <laughs> asking you about the '90s Robin Williams classic, and you're like, dude, I'm just trying to get to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, I think the director's list writer was pro-divorce in a way that actually is nice in the film, where it's like, hey, sometimes parents get together, sometimes they don't, they love their kids, etc. I don't know if they're pro- I hope they're pro-drag queen, because why wouldn't you be? Sadly, I think also, I will say, Mrs. Doubtfire, watching that as a stalking educator, oh boy. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me weave a tale for you about Mrs. Doubtfire. This is the story. So let's say there's, um, you know, female and male, right? Uh, she decides to get a divorce. He's irresponsible. They have shared custody of the kids. She's going to get his life together. Shared custody, all those terms are great. He, it's not enough for him. Even though it's what the court decided, and she's totally doing what they said and being really friendly about it. So he <laughs> calls her constantly, pretending to be different people. That stuck. I know, I watched this movie recently, so you may not remember it this well. But he, like, pretends to be all these sketchy people. Where he's like, I'm a terrible, evil child eater. Can I watch your kids? And then she's like, oh, no, no one's working out for my kids. And then... Doesn't he also change the number on the app? Doesn't he also change the number... On the ad, so no one else can call her. Dude, I don't remember no, that. But he I'm might. Right, he did. Yeah, he yeah, sabotages. Yeah. Yeah. He sabotages yeah. the ad so only he could call. Yes, he yeah. sabotages her search for yeah. caretaker for her children. Woo-hoo. Then pretends to be somebody else. <laughs> Boom, goes into go. their lives. Tries to sabotage her relationship with James Bond. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's much hotter than Robin Williams. Uh, hello. Like, bitch, upgrade. You know what I'm saying? She's like, I should have done this years ago. Okay. So she's trying to get with James Bond. He's saying all the shit to her, like, you shouldn't move on so fast because of whatever. Pretending to be Mrs. Doubtfire. Makes friends with the kids. Builds this whole relationship. Uh. Does all this trust. Meanwhile, sabotaging their relationship. Emotionally manipulating everybody. And then, at the end, in the big reveal... It's all about his feelings. That's the worst part. When they figure it out, she's like, the whole time, the whole time. And it's like, oh, I guess she's mad. And then the best part of that movie when you watch it as an adult is when the judge is like, this guy is trash. You get sole custody of the kids. I'm like, yes, justice is so That's crazy. Can you imagine if you divorce someone and they pretend to be someone else and they were in your home with your kids every day, knowing every detail of your life, sabotaging your current relationship? But then... She, like, sees him, and he's like, oh, this sucks. And she's like, you know what? We can share custody. No courts this time, because your feelings are so important. And then that's the happy ending. Because he gets to be with his kids more. You know he's a total psycho. Total stalker. So we're looking at stalking behaviors. We're looking at sabotage, repeat callings, impersonation, um, breaking into the home, all of that kind of stuff. And then it's still the film totally centers his feelings. This is Doubtfire's Trash. We'll close with a short story that I just found on the shelf over here I called I Am I a Stalker? Wait, do you want me to? Oh, yes, a question. Okay, oh, yeah. sorry, I was supposed to ask a question. I got too riled. You know how it is, you get riled up about this is that I'm a human being, okay? We get riled up. So. <laughs> The reason that media like that annoys me, and especially media that shows stalking as like funny or silly or in sitcoms, it comes up a lot. Even cartoons where it's like, think about Peppy Le Pew, right? It's like, oh, there he is again. He won't take no, huh? And it's like, no, this is a real issue. It's it's criminal. It's a crime. It's traumatic, and it's dangerous. It's a really scary thing that impacts over one in six women and one in seventeen men in the United States. 
Um, and so, one of the it, it's such a serious thing. It's so scary. It really is a horror movie. Like this is how fire should be. Um, <laughs> to speak to that a little bit more and be really generous and, and share her story is this a very hilarious, but maybe not right now. She's being serious. Okay, you guys. God, Frankie French. Oof. Woo-hoo! Oh, What exactly should I share? I'm not sure. How just, I guess what happened and how we kind of general about it. overview. Big story. Yeah, oh, big picture. Okay, so it's a long story, so I'll try to short story it as much as I can. So I was uh, very young. I was in my teens, and my mom allowed me to marry an adult man, uh, which in itself is horrifying. We can unpack that at another time. Uh, <laughs> and he turned out to be a sociopath, and he abused me for several years, uh, mentally, emotionally, sexually. He would um, do things like if I left the house for any reason um, and I would come home, you know, not giving him enough information about where I'd been or whatever, he would shut off the circuit breaker at our house and I would come in the house and there would be like a laser scope somewhere on me because he would have his rifle like hunting me through our house. So like that's the level of like horrifying abuse that I experienced. And that's not even the worst of it. That's just like something I feel comfortable sharing in a room full of strangers. But um, uh, so the day that I left, um, I was sleeping in a a separate room at this point because I was just terrified of this person. And um, he would sleep in what was our bedroom. And I can't remember what I was doing, but whatever I did, it woke him up. And I was like, fuck. Because I knew that once he woke up, like, I would have to, I would be afraid, you know, I'd be worried about, okay, well, what's he going to be upset about? What is he going to, what am I going to have to do? Like, what's going to happen when this person wakes up? And he is going ballistic in his room because I just woken him up and he beckons me into the room and he goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? I go to sleep and you lose your mind. And then he hit me in the face so hard, it cut my eye open, busted like this, my bones in my jaw and my uh, um, uh, cheekbone and split my lip open. This eye still doesn't open and close properly, but whatever. And um, after that, it was like a light switch came on. Like that phrase, I go to sleep and you lose your mind, like snapped me awake and I was like, you know what? And this is what I said to him. I said, you know what? When you go to sleep, I do lose my mind. I don't know how to think, I don't know how to feel, I don't know who I am. I have to wait wake for you to wake up to tell me who I am. And I said, this is the last day I will ever be with you. And I walked out of the house, went to my sister's house who lived uh, a few neighborhoods over, called the police, he went to jail. Um, yay, right? Well, he, he got out. <laughs> like hours later, he was, he was home and on my sister's steps. And he would be there every single day for like months. And I would, like, six in the morning, I would hear pellets at my window. And I had a restraining order. And he would just be gone when the police showed up. Yeah. You know, so he would, anywhere I went, he would follow me. Um, I had a cell phone. He would text me or call me, like, hey, you know, I see you at whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it was just constant. Um, I was telling Dan, it's like being a prisoner inside of your life. You know what I mean? And, and that's the most horrifying, um, powerless I've ever felt in my life, and after, and I ended up relocating to California. Like that's how I ultimately moved to LA. Before mm. um, was I had to leave and just be far enough away that he would hopefully forget about me. Um, and I moved, and I what I realized after I was that far away is I was very socially retarded. 
I didn't know how to be around people. I didn't know how to communicate with people. I felt very uncomfortable being around other humans. And it took me years to get back to where I had some semblance of normalcy. And I wasn't looking over my shoulder or afraid every time my phone rang or in fear when I heard a knock on the door. Or even now, if I'm walking somewhere and I pass by someone, I'm looking over my shoulder the entire time. If someone's walking behind me, I will stop and turn around and see who it is. Like, even now, I still have residual effects from it, but you can heal. Um, you can get better. I'm better in the sense that I don't cry now every time I think or talk about it. Um, I don't know if that's, if that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah, fist bump, fist bump. <laughs> fist so, I mean, don't, don't, I don't want you to be sad or, or feel bad for me. I'm, I'm fine now. Um, I have a wonderful husband now. I have a dope-ass daughter, and my career is amazing. Um, but uh, one more thing I, w I would like to say, if, if you know someone who is in a situation, you know, you're not going to know everything about their situation because they're not going to tell you. Um, but if you know someone that tells you a little bit that sounds bad, help them. Get them help because no one helped me. You know, I, I went to people, and I went to my mother and said, hey, this is what's happening. I need help. And she was like, well, you know, because he was wealthy and, you know, was taking care of me. So, you know, her solution was just, you know, stick it out. You know, just stick it out. It'll be fine. You know, and it was far from fine. So if you know someone that is telling you some things that sound like red flags, I'm telling you now that there's a bigger issue happening. And if you can gain their confidence and get them help or find some way to get them help, do it. Yes. Give it up for Frankie one more time for being so vulnerable and awesome. Yeah, Even after my amazing take on Mrs. Doubtfire, which is a hard act to follow. So um, just want to say, yes, definitely reach out. We have brochures in the back as well, stalkingawareness.org. And that's, we're trying to train folks so that you don't, when you reach out for help, that people say, oh, that sounds serious, that sounds scary, let's do something about it. So really appreciate you all being here and being part of that yeah. work. And now, I know to have a radical change in tone, um, I heard that you found a poem around about yeah. stalking. I did find this quick poem. It's going to be really fast. Can you just hold it like this? Yes. Thanks. Okay, so this, these are really effective in my office, so feel free to laugh, please. Okay, All right. Feel free to laugh. This is actually a hidden gem. Is this too close? <laughs> um, from Dr. <laughs> Seuss. It's a hidden, a hidden book. It's called Am I a Stalker? Little Lou Who sat on her chair, scouring Instagram with such delicate care. She could not tap hard. She could not tap twice. She could not like a photo that she thought was nice. Am I a stalker because I watch him all day? Silly little Lou Who. What a funny thing to say. Um, this is not stalking. Your ex don't know you are there. You're not dressed up like Miss Stoutfire braiding his hair. You're simply waiting for updates and watching his life, fantasizing about when you will be hitting with me now. Do good, feel good. It's the do, do good, good, feel good show. It sounded sad. bien y sentirse bien. Muy bueno. <laughs> <laughs>